Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. We are pro-cannabis media. You're listening to the Cannamom, Joyce Gerber. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cannamom Show, produced right here in Wellesley, Massachusetts by Pro Cannabis Media. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber, and today, all the way from Tacoma, Washington, is my special guest, Heather Dagley, who will be talking to us about the Sisterhood of Cannabis and her upcoming series of blogs to be featured right here at Pro Cannabis Media inspiring stories about women working in the emerging cannabis industry. Heather has a website, Bottom Blossom, where she shares her insights into how cannabis use can contribute to your best life. Although not a mom yet, she already knows what all mothers need to know. When we take better care of ourselves, we're better able to take care of others. Welcome, Heather. So let's just start um, in the beginning. How did you get into cannabis? Absolutely. So um, like a lot of other teenagers, I started smoking cannabis recreationally with friends um, when I was about 16 years old. And I always liked cannabis. I felt like it helped me get in touch with um, what I liked to eat or, or, you know, finding a mindful moment with my friends. I just always had a blast when I used it. Mm -hmm. But I I had a lot of people telling me that it was wrong. Um, You know, teachers and my parents it's not something that I was supposed to be doing. And so I always felt this little bit of shame around it. All right. Uh, There's so much shame. I know, right? That's what we want to undo. Yeah. We want to undo this framework of shame. Absolutely. And so I think I realized that it was good for me. I, I remember it helping me with homework even a few times. And yet in the back of my mind, I was thinking I shouldn't be doing this. And so um, I had that inner conflict that so many of us have pre-legalization when we're consuming cannabis. Because we can't trust our own bodies. We're told that what we're experiencing isn't real. That was sort of, it's disturbing, right? Right. And it's almost like we get the cognitive dissonance. We we feel that it's helping us, and yet we're not allowed to really explore that thought. And so we just don't. And, and we, we stay um, in line with the status quo. Um, but one of the things I actually like about cannabis is it helps us walk away from those frames. So more on that later. Exactly. Um, 
So then I went to college and I continued to use it and definitely started to feel that it was one of the solutions that could help me deal with the overwhelm of college and, and also working through college. And then I took a psychology 101 class and I remember they they told us about the fact that there are uh, cannabinoid receptors in the brain. And I remember thinking, huh, well, no one ever taught me that before. You know, what, why what, would I... What, what year was that, Heather? Do you remember? That was when I was a freshman, so it would have been 2008 or 2009. So I think it was pretty early research at that point, mm-hmm. but it was only the first time I had heard that. I mean, and I, I didn't think, hear about that until 2018, I think. Right? <laughs> yeah, I had this really good, um, it was like a bio-neurology class, and so I think this professor, she just must have been ahead of her field at the time. And, Clearly. Um, I, I'm thankful that I was in that room at that moment because that's when I started thinking, okay, there's got to be something else going on here. Exactly. You know, why would our bodies have this if, if that wasn't intended by the universe for us to consume cannabis? So that's when I really started to, to look at it differently. Um, and then fast forward a few years, um, ultimately I graduated from college, started getting um, more ingrained into the working world, ended up in a corporate position. And so like many other people, you know, I was really becoming very stressed out and I was always focused on achieving and climbing that corporate ladder and definitely felt quite a bit of burnout. Um, And then all of that kind of cascaded when my best friend passed away. Um, I know this is a hard story, but it's pivotal, right? And sort of how you understand the world, really, and how you discover the healing powers of cannabis. So I'm, I'm you grateful you want to share the story with us. Thank you. Yeah, I hope it kind of helps um, elucidate why cannabis has been so powerful in my life. But And you're right, it really was a turning point for me. There is my life before my best friend Shannon died, and then there's my life after. Um, so in 2015, Shannon, who I grew up with here in Tacoma, uh, she passed away due to an opioid overdose. She had been struggling with addiction for for a few years and then ultimately she had moved to Ohio to live with her parents and that was sort of right at the beginning of when people in the Midwest were um, dying because of synthetic opioids in their heroin supply so she had fentanyl in her system and um, you know learning about that from states away it just sent me reeling and I had a really hard time dealing with that grief and and when and so could did you see her progression through the years uh, and what, how you were, was there ever any, did you ever think of any connection between cannabis and opiates or anything else when you were watching her in her struggles and how her life ended? You know, during that time, and I actually have a blog post about this, I just wish so much that I had known what I know now because I definitely saw her struggling with her addiction. It became more and more clear um, that, that she was sick. But it's not something we talked about openly, and I wish it had been. Uh, I think I was a little too overwhelmed by the subject matter, and I was pretty scared. You were young. You were young, too. Yeah, so we were 24, 25, kind of when all this culminated. And and I didn't want to push her away, so it's not something where we talked about it very openly. But it was very, very clear what was going on. She had had always been, you know, very healthy and um, of average weight and she just got very, very skinny and, um, it was really hard to get a hold of her. And I know she went through, um, you know, just some rough, rough times, lost some jobs and things like that. So and did she start on the opiate? Did she, was that given to her as a prescription for, um, a medical issue at some point? Do you know how it even actually, began? 
Good question. Actually, for her, it wasn't anything that had been prescribed, but it was just when we were teenagers and sort of partying recreationally. Um, you know, we all used cannabis, which I think was probably uh, ultimately okay for us, but unfortunately, we started to dabble into some other partying drugs. So we all started drinking a lot, and um, she started to use painkillers recreationally, whereas a lot of you know, our friends were using other substances, and it all just sort of seemed the same for teenagers because we weren't educated on what truly was good and what truly was That's very, so very. That you really there was there was no distinction, and I and I continue to hear this distinction with no distinction when I go to meetings. There'll be police commissioners or, you know, usually men in power who will say opiates, cannabis, and alcohol all in the same breath as if it's all the same, and it's such a terrible message. It really is. And I, I, like we had talked about earlier, you know, we could see that cannabis was, was okay for us and it was helping out. So, you know, why not try these other things? Maybe it's all a lie. Maybe, you know, so I think and we that's just actually, were... That's actually a good point. If, if you think it's, as a young person, especially if you think it's all a lie, then you think that's an interesting way of looking at it. That's true. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I dabbled in other things as well. And I'm very grateful that I was able to kind of reclaim my life back but she just happened to pick the one that she liked the most and it it ended up being the most dangerous so um part of the reason i share her story is because i want people to understand how easy it kind of is to fall into opioid and i mean we hear stories about it all the time where loving moms who have children you know end up abandoning their kids and it was so easy for them to get into this addiction so um I, i really want people to know that cannabis can help and i just wish so much that i had been able to put connect the dots before she had passed away and just called her up and said oh my god you know you need to just smoke a bowl right now that could actually help you um, resist using because she really wanted to get sober. She went to rehab quite a few times, and um, and and she just it was too powerful for her. And you'll know, and you'll so. never. All right, I don't think you would hear at this point anyone saying in the mainstream addiction world telling people to use cannabis. Although I I keep meeting people, um, mostly vets, you know, military vets, who this is the story over and over again that they were to the point where they were you know, using the opiates for all their pain and their um, trauma, and they figured out on their own how to reverse it using cannabis without support of medical um, professionals, which I think is very dangerous and un- unnecessary, really, right? Absolutely. And luckily, there are some, there is some more research coming out around this, um, and I'm super excited to continue to dive into this. So I, I just purchased a book actually called uh, Breaking the Cycle of Opioid Addiction, and it's by you blushing. Uh, U is uh, UWE. And so I think he's one of the foremost researchers on this, um, where he's actually connecting those dots. And I think, you know, we need to pay attention to that because if cannabis is the solution and, and we're already in this cannabis revolution, oh my gosh, there's just so much good we could do right away. And no other solution that I've seen for the opioid crisis, you know, even scratches the surface in terms of saving people's lives. So I'm really hopeful about that. That's one of the reasons I'm writing about cannabis, honestly. And you do have it, just to give you another plug. So on your on Heather's uh, website, Bud and Blossom, she has all of her great blogs. And the story of her friend Shannon is one of those stories, if you're interested in learning more about how um, this friendship worked and what the uses of cannabis and opiates, the connection in treatment could be. So I just think that's such an important topic that we need to keep talking about. And thank you. Thank you for plugging that, Joyce. Okay. Um, yeah. 
I just want to unplug again. So this is Pro Cannabis Media Production. This is the Cannamom Show, and we're talking to my friend Heather Dagley in uh, Tacoma, Washington. Okay, back to Heather. All right, and then so the next thing I wanted to share with uh, people is how I personally use cannabis to help me get through that grief after Shannon passed away. Exactly. Uh, um, I didn't really think about it as a solution for like a year. Uh, for like a year after her death, I just kind of floundered. I I was drinking too much. Um, I wasn't dealing with the grief in healthy ways. I, I wasn't even really thinking about it. If any time I thought about Shannon, I would just fall to pieces. And, you know, like like many people that are going through death, you still have to go to work and you still have to you know, address all your adult responsibilities. And it was just, it was becoming too much for me. So about a year later, I went to the doctor and I actually ended up going on to antidepressants and um, I, I have since gotten off of them, but they definitely helped me dig myself out of the hole that I was in. Mm-hmm. But at that same time, I also decided that I needed to take a break from drinking. And then I started using cannabis sort of as a replacement to drinking. But then I found the cannabis was really helping me to address the grief. You know, cannabis doesn't allow us to escape like alcohol often does. It really helps you sit with the truth. Exactly. And that's what I really needed to do in terms of dealing with Shannon's death. So it helped me get used to the fact that, you know, I'd never see her again. But um, it, it allowed me to kind of become uh, more comfortable with that knowledge. It's, it's sort of difficult to describe. But no, I, I, uh, I, 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 yeah, I, just, I think that's what people need to understand is that it helps take away some of the out the external issues that are uh, distracting you and allows you to live in the quiet moments. Yeah. It, it allows you to be there without the distraction. I, you know, if someone who's never used cannabis has not used it through a, you know, a series of grief, people think of getting high as a certain state of mind. Uh, I just right. think it's so important that this, this can really help you be someone, like you say, live your best life and sort of live in those quiet, quiet, important moments and really experience what you're experiencing. Absolutely. Uh, I think, one of the best, this is kind of a funny word to use, but one of the best ways I've found to describe it is you can look at the truth and in even the ugly truth, like a tragedy or the death of someone you love, but it takes away that prickly feeling. It's That's less a good way of putting it, yeah. Right. So um, I, after that, after I realized, okay, I, you know, cannabis could have helped my friends and I didn't know that, but now I do. And then it certainly helped me get through this grief um, I have got to shift the gears of my life, and, and what I really want to do is, is share this with others, because how many people are going through tragedy? I mean, life is hard. There's a lot going on, and uh, cannabis can really help us find those pleasant moments. Exactly. And it's not, it's not always just dealing with tragedy, too. Cannabis can help us deal with, you know, minor inconveniences as well. I have a blog post about a sewer explosion in my house and how cannabis helped me and my husband to kind of laugh through that rather than, um, you know, get too, too down in the dump. So um, it, it can really just help us live our best life in, in so many aspects of life. I agree. So, so that was, uh, so, you know, so you've used it, you understood your friend could, uh, look, all these different topics, your friend could have used it to help with her own addiction. You were able to use it to bypass or to work your way through some serious grief. Um, right trying to undo the shame despite what we're being told but we can also use it for our pets totally we can <laughs> so 
This is one of the more fun applications that I personally have um, used cannabis for. So um, as we've talked about earlier, Joyce, I have a little uh, cat. Actually, he's not little at all. He's 10 years old, uh, Garfield-looking type cat. He's adorable. We do have a picture of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be great if you could share that with everybody. Um, And actually, this cat is super special to me because Shannon actually gave him to me when I was in college. So there's so much emotion, you know, uh, like like any of us pet owners, we love our pets very much. But this pet means um, something extra special to me. So um, and Thomas is definitely a grumpy cat. You know, he's getting a little more docile now that he's getting older in age. But He's always been grumpy. You know, when my uh, boyfriend, now husband, came into the mix, uh, he was attacking Ryan all the time. And so it just was kind of embarrassing. And um, But he's still with you, but, your husband. He's still with <laughs> us, yeah. And now they're best buds, so it's okay now. But um, even with me, he can kind of bat at me a little bit when I'm trying to pet him or just trying to spend some quality time with him. Um, but then recently, I tried CBD drops on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sent a sample by a reputable company and tried it out, and it really worked wonders. So what um, I, I saw, so she, if you're actually looking for this, you can find her. She has a YouTube video of her testing this product. But can you just talk a little bit about uh, the impact or how uh, Thomas, uh, his attitude shifts after a few CBD pellets or uh, drops? Absolutely. He just seems more calm. And, you know, one thing I like to tell people is it's not that I'm trying to dose my cat to make him more, um, you know, to make it more comfortable for me to be around him. The reason I'm doing this is because I can tell it reduces his own internal anxiety. So he truly seems happier after that. And I love I love that. I love that description. Just the idea that we don't want to have anxiety uh, impacting our lives either, that it makes just everyday activities more difficult. So the truth true for Thomas, too. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I've used it for my own anxiety. And so if I see that anxiety manifesting in him, it's like, okay, well, he has an endocannabinoid system. Why not, you know, give him that same cannabis therapy that's been helping me? So what I really like is it's allowed him to sort of uh, join Ryan and I in our evenings again. A lot of times we uh, watching TV and Thomas just kind of grumpily staring in a different direction. But now it feels like the three of us get to hang out, and so that's been that's been a game for us. Another CBD miracle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Thomas. Yeah. <clears throat> but what I really want to get to are the blog posts, which I am so excited to share with our listeners and um, fans of PCM that you have this great series about you know women in the emerging cannabis industry. So, just want to go over sort of the um, the overall topics of what we're going to be hearing about or learning about through your blogs. Sounds great. Yeah. And thank you for this opportunity to share this series of of posts here. So um, I wrote about something that's near and dear to my heart, um, which is the fact that women in cannabis are making waves. And, you know, it's just so inspiring to see the other women in cannabis and and what they're out there accomplishing. And not only that, not only are women accomplishing uh, a ton of great stuff in cannabis, but they're helping each other accomplish great things. Uh, I'm not seeing a lot of dog-eat-dog competitive mentality that you would see in other businesses. Within cannabis, it's actually like a group of women saying, how can I help you? How can I promote you? Do you need a writing lead? All these things. And um, so there are all these groups, whether that's electronic groups or actual physical meetups, 
where women are coming together and just celebrating being in this industry, but then also self-promoting. And, and, awesome. help, and helping each other. So that's sort of <clears throat> how I um, met you. You had, yeah. said, um, <laughs> we had reached out and I'd read one of your, um, I guess it was, a, it was longer than a blog. It was a bit of a story. And I had a, um, I just felt like really connected to our readers. And I thought that if we could break that down into stories that, you know, we could set, set up for our readers to hear about what's going on in the, you know, your part of this, the country and across the country. And I am also on many of these websites. I think of it as a sisterhood of the cannabis. And I'm, I am an older woman coming back into work. And I, I see this as an industry that's welcoming. And it's, it's so unusual to be able to be part of something new and to help help set the rules. I think that's really what we talked about, about how this is a female plant and that uh, we can do business differently and we can still be successful. Absolutely. It, it really is empowering. And, um, you know, before I, I came into the cannabis sector, I was working in the chemical industry. And, you know, I don't want to dog on that industry too much, but I will just say um, it was very male-driven and it was very focused on profit. So it kind of had that, and it's an older industry, so it's got that hardened feel to it. Um, there's not a lot of room for, you know, developing those soft skills and that relationship, that inner relationship that can be become so important in business. But cannabis is quite different. I'm feeling a lot of feminine energy. I'm feeling a lot of um, just people around me trying to help, and, and I try to pass that that forward as well. So, um, so, and then, so what are the, so the topics? What are the three topics that we're going to be talking about or hearing about over the next month? Totally. So the first piece is um, about women helping each other out. It's called Women in Cannabis Supporting Higher Achievement. So it speaks to that, that reality of driving collective success and, and how that's manifested in my life and also what others can expect if they do enter the industry. And then the second article is um, why women are attracted to the cannabis industry. So I touch on the fact that women are joining the cannabis industry. In fact, um, female executive representation is, is larger in cannabis than it is in other industries across the United States. And then I, I touch on why I think women are attracted to this industry. And in my mind, that's because uh, this is an innately compassionate plan. And women are compassionate. They're the caretakers, and, and they've always traditionally played this role of caretaker for society. Um, so there's just a great intersection there of, um, you know, healing our society and driving compassion, and, and I think that's why women are attracted to Canada. And, and then finally, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, keep going. And then finally, the third article is called Advice to Women Entering the Cannabis Industry. So um, I did sat, sit down with um, a woman who works in cannabis, her name was Shannon Click, and she works for Boveda Inc. I met her at Canacon earlier this year. And so I sat down with her and asked her, what is her advice to, to young women or, or, or women of any age, but that are new to cannabis? And so she gave me six pointers that I'm going to highlight in this article um, for those that might be interested. So that's great. Those are coming up in September and October. So those are going to be things that we're going to keep posted on PCM.com. So are there things that you have been surprised by when you're talking to women in cannabis compared to how your previous professional experience um, it felt? I That's a great question. I think just that willingness to help. You know, in, in my last industry, I, I definitely didn't have a shortage of mentors, but I felt like I always had to come to the table being 100% prepared. I always had to know exactly what my value proposition was going to be. It was never like 
you can sit down to coffee with someone and and have any lack of clarity. You needed to know exactly what you needed from that relationship, etc. But in cannabis, I have been able to be more honest with people and say, you know, I am a young writer just getting started out. Um, here's where I want to head, but I don't really know how to get there. And there are women out there that will sit down with you and, and share their story or share their advice um, without expecting anything re- in return. So and it's also there's it's, that, that funny idea, you know, the confidence, but the importance of doubt, that there's a, a power in that, that recognizing that obviously we don't know everything. I'm an attorney. I, I had to also sort of take that posture often that I knew everything regardless of whether or not I didn't and you knew right. faked it till you made it and hope that people believe you but there's um, that does something to you you know and it's it's not a natural way of being so the idea that you can be a little bit vulnerable and expect to get help and not feel like that's going to be um, detrimental to your professional advancement is I think uh, revolutionary really <laughs> it is a good thing I think that's a great point Joyce it's uh, I don't know if you follow Brene Brown's work, but she Little, talks about. I do. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. I, I love her TED talks and, and reading her writing. But she does talk about how vulnerability is is really a strength. And um, one thing I've learned about working with all these women in this new up and coming cannabis industry is so many things that we've looked at as weaknesses in the past in business are actually strengths. Um, a lot of these. Uh, quote unquote, weaknesses that women possess in business, like being emotional or being in tune with other people's emotions. But we're learning those are those are great assets in business to to have, um, you know, emotional intelligence is becoming one of the biggest currencies in business. So we can really put the old paradigms, like turn it on its head and um, really realize the value that we as women bring to cannabis. I hope so. I, I keep hoping it's better for the next generation of strong, um, intelligent, ambitious young women who are coming up. I hope this industry treats us well, treats you well, really. Uh, I just, um, it's hopeful. I, I feel very, I, I feel grateful to be part of this community. I honestly do. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's been great. It makes me feel like we're in the right spot at the right time, right? <laughs> Hopefully. Finally. Finally. <laughs> the right spot at the right time. So, Heather, this has been quick, but that was great. Is there anything else you want to share with our guests before we do our sign-off? I know your so your blog post will be coming out um, probably end of September, beginning of October. We're working out the schedules; those are all be promoted. Um, I just yeah. I I love the topics. I know this is um, something so many people are interested in. Uh, they want to hear about this. Women want to get into this industry. They want to know what it really feels like. They want to know what the strengths are, the power. You know how it is to be involved in this. So I think that's so great. But anything else you just want to say about it before we sign off? Um, I would just want to say to people, you know, if you're curious about entering the cannabis industry, um, know that there is support out there. And I definitely encourage you to do your research, but, but know that you're going to have some of that help along the way. And then for others that are not necessarily interested in joining the industry, but are just curious about using cannabis, mm-hmm. um, I just want to be a voice that gives those consumers feel like they have permission to go and explore that. Because a lot of times with that cycle of shame, we don't feel like we have permission. So it doesn't matter if you're a mom or you're a grandma or you're a grandpa, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. As long as it's legal in your state and you're not breaking any laws, feel like you have that permission to take care of yourself. And um, I would encourage anyone just getting started out to check out my blog. It's 
I have a few resources on there about how people can kind of get started with, with that cannabis journey. That's awesome. That's perfect. That's great. Um, Heather, this has been quick. This has been great, but we're going to hear from you much more this month. So that's going to be yeah. awesome. Are you ever planning on coming out to the East Coast? Any Potentially. I think that would be great. I've been out there one time in all my 29 years. So it would be a fun trip to come and come out and visit. All right. Well, we are the, um, you know, we're trying to set up our whole cannabis industry on the East Coast. We're a little bit behind the West Coast, uh, but we're right. following your lead on meeting lots of other canna bloggers, canna moms, canna women, canna pioneers. So um, it's been exciting for me to meet people and talk to people I probably never would have met if it hadn't been for cannabis. Right. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been really fun. You're awesome, Heather. So for my guest, Heather Dagley, keep an eye out for her blog post coming up on ProCannabisMedia.com. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. I want to thank my director, Dan French. Of course, our founder, Jimmy Young. And you for taking the time to listen to another great cannabis story produced right here on Pro Cannabis Media on The Cannamom Show. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, Come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.